Hello, and welcome back to the Strong as a Mama podcast. This is a place where we open up the conversation about the transformation that we go through as women when becoming a mother. And today's episode is a little bit different than my past episodes. I'm very excited for it. It's going to be really special. We're going to be talking about birth because the act of giving birth to your child in and of itself is transformative and plays a huge role in how motherhood is for you moving forward. It just, it plays a huge role in the whole journey. So I have a very special guest here, Nicole Hawk, and she is a birth doula. Um, Nicole and I go way, way back. We've been friends since we were 11, I think. Um, good, good friends. And she, she knows me very well, probably too well. <laughs> Um, I'm so glad that she agreed to come on here today. So hi, Nicole. Hello. So I um, briefly touched on that you're a doula, but will you tell us um, just a little bit more about you both professionally and like as a person and as a mom and all that? Yes. So I have three littles. They're not quite so little anymore, but one of the reasons I became a birth doula is because of the birth of my own three kids. And I had a, a very traumatic experience with my first. Um, he was born a little bit early and my doctor really pushed an induction and he went to the NICU. And because I had had an epidural, I couldn't go see him immediately. And so I gave birth and it was just me in this hospital room alone because I had sent my husband to go to the NICU with him. And that was so lonely and scary. And I did not want that same experience with my next baby. And I had talked to one of my friends who had recently given birth and she told me she did it unmedicated and had a doula. And it was fascinating to me. And I had wanted to kind of look into it more, but that really kind of spurred the process for me. I asked her what books she read and kind of um, more of her mindset going into it. And so I started reading books. I ended up hiring a doula myself and I was really dedicated to having an unmedicated birth. And I really wanted to be able to go see my baby in the NICU if, you know, my second was in the NICU. I am a type 1 diabetic, so my pregnancies are high risk and my babies are more likely to go to the NICU. So that was another reason I really wanted to do an unmedicated birth um, because there is a higher likelihood. And like I said, that first experience was just really hard for me. So I did end up having my water break early at 33 weeks and I didn't go into labor. So at 34 and a half weeks, I was induced. and. I was really scared that all of the surrounding complications would make it so I couldn't have the unmedicated birth I wanted, but my doctor and my doula assured me it would be just fine. Um, I was so worried that I would just not be able to handle the pain or, you know, I just, I was really scared of my own um, weakness and that I wouldn't be able to accomplish this thing I really wanted. And it ended up being the best birth I've had of all of my three kids. Um, my doula was so supportive. My husband and my sister were there. And I even got a holder for a second before she went to the NICU and she was only there for a day. It was overall, overall just a great experience. And it was so empowering to be able to do that. I was so scared. I was so worried. And in the end, I was like, wow, I was able to do this and do it with the help of my doula and my spouse. And it felt so empowering. And that really is what made me think of becoming a doula, seeing my doula and wondering how amazing her life must be doing this every day, not every day, but more often, you know, than the average person. And so with my third birth, um, it was also slightly traumatic. I just expected to be able to go unmedicated the same way I had with my second, and I didn't prepare quite as much. And my induction just went so, so fast that I never 
got a chance to kind of get on top of the contractions and get into the zone that I had with my second. And because of that, it just, I felt out of control and it felt scary. And I remember right after delivering, my doctor was like, wow, this was the perfect delivery because he had broken my water at 10 o'clock. She was born at one o'clock. I didn't tear. I didn't hemorrhage. You know, all these things from the medical perspective that were perfect, but I felt traumatized. Even though I got to hold my baby, she didn't have to go to the NICU. There was so much healing that happened from that. But the fact that it wasn't even acknowledged that psychologically, emotionally, that could feel scarring to me was a really weird place to be. And between all of my births, it really made me, it made me A, want to redo of the ones that were traumatic and B, want to help other women have different experiences or prevent them from feeling the same kind of trauma or birth disappointment that I did. So that's kind of the background of why I became a doula. And really, I think what's important for me is women feeling empowered in their choices, even knowing they have choices. I didn't know that with my first, I could say, no, I don't want to be induced. Let's wait and see what happens because there was no urgent need. Um, so yeah, women knowing that they have choices and maybe looking into research and women feeling supported and having the resources they need to have a positive experience and the support they need emotionally, physically, mentally during labor. Yes. Thank you so much for giving us that background. Um, it's It really is not talked about enough, I feel like. I think that um, every woman, I mean, they have a story. They have their birth story and it, and it, is a big part of their life, you know? Um, and it's like, it just makes sense that there's emotional aspects to that that are lasting. And, um, I just love that you are helping other women and that you are making it more known that there are options and that you have a voice and a, cho and a choice in your own birth. Um, I really quick, I just want to pause and just say, so our purpose in doing this episode is not to try and convince people to do unmedicated births. It's not to, you know, say that any type of having a, any type of way of having a baby is not the right way or anything like that. It's just to, um, to really empower women to realize that they can do their own research. They can make their own choices based on what's important to them and that they're, you know, that all the emotion behind all of it matters and is valid and um to just kind of help women feel seen and heard in what they may have gone through with their births as well did you have anything to add to that or do you feel like that sums up kind of what we're trying to do here no i think that is a great disclaimer essentially <laughs> yes yes because you and i both um i mean i haven't experienced it yet but um, like, so I'll just say both of my girls, I had, you know, medicated very, you know, that those typical types of births. And I thought that I was the last person in the entire world who would ever want to have a baby without an epidural. Um, me too. <laughs> you thought that about me or about you? Yes. <laughs> no, about you. I mean, based on the conversations yeah. we had, cause you had good experiences. You oh, know, yeah. Well, epidurals. oh, I I said I was like, I would have another baby again just so I could get an epidural because the epidural was that awesome. Like I I seriously <laughs> loved it. And and with um, so my first birth was was more traumatic. Um, and then my second birth, because I was so traumatized, I wanted to like be in control. And my way of being in control was to do an induction and get an epidural. Um, but then there were costs that came with that, that I experienced that I feel like there's no way to prove that it's because I, you know, had an induction, but in my gut and in my intuition, I feel that, um, next time around, I don't want to opt out 
of feeling everything in the birth and I want to have an experience where I am partnering with my body and um, I just want that different experience and I, and I do want to do an unmedicated birth next time around um, you know God willing that we have more children when that time comes but um, okay sorry I feel like we could go in a million different directions here. <laughs> Um, but first, okay, so let me just say, I thought that I was the last person in the world who would ever do an unmedicated birth. Like I said, Nicole's my close friend. She's, you know, she's been all about this unmedicated birth thing for a few years now. She would talk to me about it and, and I would listen and I was just like, that is so great for you. That is so great for you. And I'm never going to do that. <laughs> and the reason why was because I didn't understand any reason to do it I just thought well why would you choose to be in pain was really all that there was to me I thought I thought the only like reason why women chose to do it was to like feel accomplished like oh I was able to do this hard thing and there is an aspect of that maybe but there's so much more to it than that um but what it was, I had to come to it on my own. Like, there's nothing that you could have just told me to make me be like, oh, yeah, okay, you know. But it was something that you shared on Instagram. You shared a post, and all it was, it was a post, and it said, like, here's a list of things that a doula might try before turning to Pitocin. And it was like a list of you know, a bunch of different um, things that, that could be tried to help progress labor along. And I just read it, and then I clicked on the profile that you'd shared that from, and I went down the rabbit hole for, like, four hours that night. <laughs> and I, um, I, now I could see why women would choose to do this. So if you were to give, like, three to five top reasons why a woman might want to do an unmedicated birth what would be some top reasons that you might give yeah I think oh some women really desire a physiologic birth which is essentially when your body can do exactly what it's supposed to do without medical intervention um, it is not always possible to be honest it's not things happen but being able to just let your body do what it needs to um, can be really healing and can honestly form a lot of trust between you and your body. And I think that does lead to a lot of positive things. And so I think someone really desire that connection with um, basically, I don't know, this connection to almost nature that your body knows how to do this thing. It was born to do this thing. I think another reason could be just a better birth. When you don't have an epidural, you're able to move around a lot more freely. So you can, you know, do different positions, you can be mobile, and it also opens up a lot of different actual birth positions, not just on your back. There are other positions you can do that aren't just on your back, even when you have an epidural, but to be quite frank, in hospitals, you have to be really pushy about it, and not all providers will allow you to do that. So it is a conversation you have to have with your OB or nurse midwife before, you know, birth. Um, and yeah, I think, I think, like we said, you have to have the desire to do that. Like you said, why why might people desire this? There really has to be a desire behind it, and sometimes that in itself is just the reason someone's like I want to try it I want to do it yeah oh that's so awesome um one of the reasons that I feel pulled to it is because I I honestly think that my body will probably do a better job than the experiences I've had that were so um there was so much intervention, even though, <laughs> so my, my second birth where I had the induction and the epidural, I loved the experience 
at the time. Um, but then I ended up having retained placenta, which was a horrific experience. And that's where there's like bits of placenta that get left behind in your uterus. And it, it can be fatal if it's not caught in time. I was not like, I wasn't on death's door or anything, but I got very, very sick. Um, and had to and it's spend scary. Yeah, it's scary. I had to spend the night in the ER. This was like the day after we'd come home from the hospital. So like my second night home. And you described with your first baby how him being taken away to the NICU and you were left alone without him. And I just feel for you so much because like we are instinctually and biologically meant to be with our newborn babies after we give birth <laughs> to them and to be apart from them like it was emotionally and mentally and physically excruciating to be away from her for a night and like not know if I was okay and stuff so I can only imagine how you felt right after he was born to not have him there with you um and then I also I had postpartum depression really severely after that birth and there are studies correct that link the use yeah. of then to postpartum depression you're the one who told me about that is there anything is am i correct on that is there anything to add to to that there's not a lot of information out there i do wish it was researched more heavily but i have found yes a few a few resources that suggest you're more likely to have a postpartum mood disorder with the use of Pitocin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and um, with my induction, I, I, I feel uh, you also told me that inductions, you're like 25% or something like that, more likely to experience plac retained placenta. Yeah, I don't remember the percentage off the top of my head. Um, maybe you internalized it more and you remember it better than I do. But yeah, compli complications are just higher with induction mm -hmm. because your body sometimes is not ready to go through birth or it's there's something called the cascade of interventions. Once you try one, other ones sometimes become necessary. So for example... This is really going into, into my dualiness here. But for example, let's say you're induced and the contractions are really painful because honestly, I've heard from a lot of women, induction contractions are more painful. And I don't know because I was induced with all three of mine. They're more painful. So let's say you get an epidural. Well, with the epidural, you can't move around. So let's say your labor takes even longer and then you are pushing for a long time trying to get that baby out and your pushing is maybe not quite as effective because you have an epidural and you can't feel down there as well and let's say baby's heart rate starts to drop because you have been pushing for so long and then the doctor is like well at this point we really need to use a vacuum or if it's really bad you may be going in for a c-section so it's hard to say what could have actually happened. But on the flip side, let's say everything was fine. Maybe you were just at your duty and you decided to push for a few extra days because you're comfortable doing that. Your gut says it's okay and you've looked at the research. Let's say you go into labor spontaneously and let's say maybe you get an epidural, maybe you don't. But if you get an epidural, maybe you're further along and your labor's shorter and your baby's a little bit more ready, maybe just those few days helped develop the lungs a little bit better. There's just so many things that, you know, on the flip side could be better if you're not induced. And inductions are medically necessary sometimes. And there is definitely research that says, you know, going to or past 42 weeks can be a little iffy. But I think the fact that women don't always know this you know, the doctor is giving them this percentage like, well, you are how many percent, 50, 60, 70 percent more likely to have a stillborn, stillbirth or stillborn if you go past this date number when maybe that number was before one in a thousand women have a stillbirth. Now it's two in a thousand. But still, 
how many 998 women don't. So I think sometimes the skewed, you know, percentages or things that the doctors give us are just scare tactics for women to feel like, I don't want to make the wrong decision. I don't want to be the reason something's wrong with my baby or I have a stillbirth. And um, obviously those situations are extremely tragic, but I think women should feel more empowered in their choices and feel like they have choices. They're not just doing exactly what the doctor says. So I'm not really quite sure <laughs> what the original topic was. We kind of wrapped around, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, that's perfect, though. Um, I I think I started with saying, like, kind of why I, one of the reasons why I'm drawn to doing an unmedicated birth. Um, and, and, oh, I, and I brought up, like, the research behind, um, you know, more retained postpartum depression with the use of Pitocin. And... I just, okay, this is going to get a little bit like, I don't know, out there maybe. <laughs> um, this is just me talking about my intuition on my own choices and my own body. This is not me saying that this is how the world or the universe or nature works. <laughs> but um, I, so I really, what I wanted to do was skip over the pain, skip over the trauma. And that's why in my second birth, I chose the induction and the epidural was because I, I wanted to opt out of that. Like, just let mm -hmm. me have this baby and not go through the hard stuff. And I ended up going through really hard stuff after with the retained placenta and the postpartum depression. And I, I just feel in my gut that becoming a mom and every time you have a baby, it's almost like nature demands a transformation of you and it's not yeah. something we're just supposed to do and it doesn't change anything about us and it doesn't affect our life differently um and so I I don't know I just I don't think that there's just an easy button that exists in bringing a child into the world I think that it's meant and again this is literally just me talking about my feelings <laughs> but yeah. I for me I feel like I it, it a, a, a transformation has to happen in some way and it's a beautiful thing um and this you know next time around I would like to try not opting out and I'd like to try um really finding out what my body's capable of on its own and and all of that so I don't know if that any of that resonates with you or if you think I'm crazy but yeah <laughs> I definitely don't think you're crazy and I think yes a transformation is demanded from nature in many different ways I think it's not only physically you know you are transformed into something new I think each baby changes your body in a a slightly different way but yes mentally absolutely and I think that is what some people are looking for in an unmedicated, unmedicated birth is kind of a different kind of transformation um, you do get into a different mental state when you're trying to get through contractions and kind of find your flow through unmedicated birth and I think that I don't know. Once someone described birth to me as a mystery box, you have no idea what's inside. And in so many ways, that is absolutely true. You can plan for the perfect birth, but you have no idea what's inside that box. And I think the coolest part about becoming a mother is you weather that storm. No matter what's in the box, you figure it out and it transforms you. And whether that's an unmedicated birth or not, I think it is so amazing that we do that as women. We figure out, you know, how to give birth in the way that we think is best for our bodies. And that doesn't always happen the exact way we want, but we give birth and then we figure out how to 
you know, live life with this new little being. And it is so transformative. And I think, honestly, just a, a plug here for having a doula at your birth, you are so much more likely to have a positive experience with a doula. I think it's, mm, I want to say 30 to 40% off the top of my head, more likely to have a positive experience. You are much less likely to have a C-section, which are, they're just harder to recover from. Honestly, they are. Um, there's so many positive things to having a doula at your birth. And I think that sets you up having a positive experience and Honestly, I think the difference between trauma sometimes is feeling like you had control or a say in what happened to you. I think two people can go through the exact same thing and one person feeling like they said yes to these things or felt like they had the presence of mind, you know, can be the difference between the other person who feels like I was so traumatized by this same thing. Um, I think that can be the difference sometimes of just feeling like you have some control. But I think having a less traumatic birth, a more positive experience sets you up for a more positive postpartum experience, which is not always going to say you're going to not have a postpartum mood disorder. Or it's going to be so much easier. But I think having a slightly easier transition that way can set you up for a, you know, a more smooth transition. And so I, that's not to say people can't have great experiences without a doula or amazing postpartum support. I just think that there's a lot missing for the vast majority of women in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I was just thinking how different my first birth experience would have been if I'd had a doula, <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, you never know what you're going to get in terms of nurses and a lot of, you know, the medical providers helping you. And I unfortunately had, um, and I, and I'm not saying this lightly, like I had a, a horrible nurse, um, when I first went into the hospital, she was extremely, degrading and just very mean um she like I was for sure in active labor um and I was I was getting noisy I was starting to let out some screams and stuff and she would just openly roll her eyes at me um and she just kept telling me I'm checking you and you're you're not you're not dilated at all you're at a one this is not real labor and she ended up sending me home. She said, it's going to be a few more days and it's going to get a lot more painful. And I thought, okay, well, then I have to go and die because I can't do this for <laughs> more days and, I, and it can't get more painful than this or I'm going to die. And I felt yeah. so incredibly helpless. And um, and two, two hours later, I ended up going back and... And two hours later from when she said I w wasn't dilated at all, I was at nine centimeters. And um, I just think if I'd had a doula there with me by my side, it would have been a completely different experience. And I feel like that doula honestly wouldn't have allowed me to have been treated the way that I was treated. Um, and that's yeah. the thing that I didn't realize. I didn't realize, like, I thought that they were all the boss of me. No, you're hiring these people. You're paying them to be a part of your birth. And I absolutely could have said to, you know, and I probably would have said it to my husband and have him say it or something, but I absolutely could have said, I would like somebody else. I do not want to see you again. I don't want you to come in the same room as me. I would like somebody else. And yeah. And that's really hard, but I absolutely could have said that. Um, and a doula, I feel and like... I Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, yeah, you totally should have, but I think it's the natural reaction for women. They always say fight or flight is the, you know, gut reaction when something happens. But I think as women, and I've seen this as women for, I guess, women during labor especially, it's almost just this... I'm fine. 
it's okay peacemaker type face you put on you know you don't want to rock the boat you don't want to be a difficult patient you don't want to make anyone feel like you're you know a problem and so you probably didn't feel like you could oh no and how awful that you had this experience you know yeah i absolutely you know i I, you're so right like we don't want to rock the boat or anything but it's like this is your birth this is a big deal and i just think that people need to trust their themselves more and speak up more and you know if if somebody's behaving inappropriately which she was it was to the point where she was behaving inappropriately she was being so unkind um like that you don't just have to sit there and and suffer you know so anyway that's a whole other thing that's a whole other (laughs) thing but um so what do you think let's talk a little bit more about emotionally the transformation that we go through from birth um is so something that i think is so funny and also i love it about women is like i have yet to meet a woman who is not willing and eager to talk to other women about her birth story or birth stories like Mm -hmm. i remember um a while back i was at my hairstylist and um, she had mentioned that she had another client coming in who was going to be like overlapped with my appointment, um, you know, because she has an assistant so they can like work on two people at once. And she was saying, she's like, I didn't think that my client was still going to come in because she had a baby like a few days ago. So I thought that she would cancel, but she said she still wants to come in. And my hairstylist, who she doesn't have kids yet, she was kind of saying like, oh, I, you know, I really hope that the birth went well or you know I I wonder how it went and and stuff like that and I was like oh we're gonna talk about how it went (laughs) like I don't know this woman I haven't met her yet we'll find this out (laughs) yeah I'm like we're I'm gonna be sitting here with her for two hours and she had a baby like less than a week ago oh we're definitely hearing the birth story and I can pretty much guarantee you she will be down to share and she absolutely was you know and we we heard the whole story But like, I mean, I've met women like at the park and we're, we're swapping birth stories, whatever. Like it's this thing that it's such a big deal, you know, and it emotionally transforms us. So I don't know. Why do you think that is? Oh, I think there's a sense of community that we kind of lose when we first have a baby. It can be so isolating in our culture. And I think finding that common thread with people everyone who has a baby has given birth it's 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 how it happens and so I think finding that thing you have in common and talking about it is really bonding I also think historically we gave birth with other women who had given birth before us and it's not until you know the last few hundred years that that has changed and maybe not even a few hundred I think this last century, it has changed a lot. But before we gave birth in our community with people who knew how to help us and mother us through the experience. And that's not quite true anymore. Um, I think we're also willing to try and find companionship in women who had who have gone through this as well, because we don't have that same experience at birth. And it's kind of a tragedy in my opinion. I think that's one of the reasons I love being a doula because I get to be that person for someone and I love birth. I love being a part of birth. And whenever someone gives birth and I'm not there, I want all the details. I wish I had been there. I'm so nosy. And (laughs) I think it really is just this, you know, I want to be part of it. And I think that's a natural thing because that is what genetically we're programmed for I think we're just programmed to be mothers mother other people and be there for each other so I think yeah there's just this weird kind of thing about birth but I think it's because we've always been that way yeah I oh you're so right we probably have always been that way and it's so funny too how like because I would hear my friends birth stories you know before I had kids and I had a lot of friends who had kids before I did 
And like, I was always, you know, interested and wanted, you know, wanted to hear about it and stuff. But like, so much of what they talked about, I didn't understand because I hadn't been through it, you know, like, when they would talk about, you know, what they were dilated to or whatever, I didn't really know, like, the significance or like, you know, when they talked about how far apart their contractions were or just anything, you know, like, I didn't have the context to really appreciate what that meant. And yeah, um, I even have a friend who she had her first baby not that long ago. And like, I had told her my birth stories, you know, when they happened or whatever. But then after she had her baby, she was like, okay, I needed you to tell me your birth stories again now that I have the context <laughs> and now that I know you know what this all even means um and so I think that adds to the like I guess specialness of it too that it, it's kind of this thing that once you've experienced it it's like we've all we all get it you know and we even yeah. though earth is so different but you still we still all get it you know it's just I think thing. it is and I think the flip side of that is so interesting because we don't have the context to know what's normal and kind of even what happens during birth because it's not normal to talk about isn't that so weird like what we learn from birth is from some stories we've maybe overheard growing up or stories from our moms or friends or what we've seen from movies or tv and it's not always accurate or helpful and so then when you maybe hear a traumatic experience from a friend before you've given birth that's your it's your only context it's not a normal thing to talk about and that's something i really hope you know this next up-and-coming generation i mean me especially as a mom i want to break that narrative of just you know birth is something that you only really talk about when you're going through it or pregnancy I think it's something that can be talked about in all stages of life and I mean even my daughters you know they'll have a little baby or pretend they're pregnant and I'll be like can I be your doula and they'll say (laughs) yeah you can be my doula or when they figure out someone's pregnant they're like are you going to be their doula you know tell us more about they they just absorb it. It's so cute. And I think they absorb it differently because they're learning from a young age that it's a normal thing. Your body can do it. It's something we talk about. I love that. I love that because then, I mean, for me, it took going through two of my own births to finally get curious enough to do my own research and realize my own voice in giving birth because I hadn't really had those conversations and stuff beforehand like with my first baby when people said what's your birth plan I was like oh my birth plan is to do whatever they tell me to do at the hospital because they're the experts right you know and and so if you can start those conversations early then by the time it actually applies to them hopefully they'll have enough exposure and knowledge that they you know that they already want to have their own voice and and everything so I think that's so awesome and it's so cute how how little girls it really is so natural to like play mommy and like my little girls will love to you know put a stuffed animal or a baby doll under their shirt and say I have a baby in my tummy or they'll like if I'm wearing like a big t-shirt they'll be like mom put me back in your tummy you know like <laughs> a t-shirt over them and, and they think it's the funniest thing I'm back in mom's tummy <laughs> it's so funny but it's just so like ingrained in them to to look, be little mommies, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a natural, normal thing, and I also think that I don't know. Kind of bringing this back into how birth is and becoming a mom is transformative. I think that that transformation can feel really scary when you don't know anything about it, when you don't know what the postpartum period looks like, when you don't have any plans of support, when you don't know, yeah, you don't have a birth plan, there's so much unknown. I think sometimes that unknown can make things a little bit more scary and the transformation can be a little bit more painful. 
I guess. I agree. I totally agree. Cause, cause then you're also dealing with shock of mm-hmm. like, oh, this is what birth is. This is what postpartum is. This is what nights with a newborn are like. Um, so then you're dealing with not only just how hard it can actually be, but the shock and almost like the mourning the like dream grieving the dream that you of how you thought it was going to be all you know just rosy sunshine whatever um yeah that's literally the entire purpose of this podcast is to talk about these things that we go through as moms that we often think that we're all alone and the only one struggling and pretty much literally everyone is going through it actually yeah and so we, I, I'm so sick of us all dealing with it on our own. I spent so much time all alone in my house with postpartum depression, not wanting to see friends, not wanting to do anything because it just felt too hard and too heavy. And I thought I was the only one really struggling. And no, we we're all in the same boat and we all need to lift each other up. And, and as well as give each other hope that it does get better and that we, we live through it and things get better. So it does. And I think it's an experience that we all have to be mothered through and people kind of just leave you on your own because you're the mom now, you know, you get to be this sweet mama to this new baby. Um, but especially, I mean, with every single baby honestly, but especially with first-time moms, you need to be mothered through it too. And I think that is so hard. Honestly, it was so isolating with my third because everyone was like, you know, you're, you've done this before. You know what you're doing. This is your third baby. You know, you don't need help. When honestly, it was one of my most isolating postpartum periods because no one was mothering me through it. My husband was doing his best taking care of our other two kids. We had minimal help from family and it was during COVID. It was hard, but I had no one there taking care of me. And I remember a few times just curled up sobbing, like I need someone to take care of me. You know, I'm doing everything I can to take care of this baby and it's hard. I love it. It's really difficult, you know, the flip side of everything, but there was no one there for me and it can be so difficult because when you're in this stage of life all of your friends not all of them but a good handful are usually in that stage with you and you don't want to be a burden and you know they're going through the same thing but I think once you've experienced that kind of just loneliness I think lack of not even lack of support but just that unique um I guess wanting to be taken care of in that special way, at least for me, I want to be that person for someone else because I didn't have it. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. What, and this is kind of putting you on the spot, but what do you suggest for moms then, for moms who are feeling either who are right there where you're talking about where they're feeling like, I need someone to take care of me or moms who are getting ready to have a baby, you know, and preparing like what resources or like what way of asking for help or just what do you suggest to, to facilitate that? Yeah. I honestly give my clients a list of ideas of how to do that. I think having a plan with your partner of who is going to do what and what is going to happen is the first step you know maybe writing it down uh, writing down a list of chores like I am not going to be responsible for laundry that's going to be you these first two weeks or we're not even going to vacuum we are going to only eat off of paper plates having a plan so things aren't going undone and that becomes stressful or something that induces anxiety that is I think a great start um Another thing that I think is important is finding a support net. Having one or two people that you know they will have their phones on or they will be reachable 24 hours a day. So if it gets to a point 
for you or for you as a mom where your baby is crying and they have not stopped and you are just like about to lose it, you can call them and they will be there. You know, they know they're that person for you. You know that they're that person. And so you have someone always. I think that is honestly the most lonely part sometimes is in the middle of the night, you know, you don't feel like you have someone. Even if your husband is there with you, you're both just deer in the headlights like, what do we do? We can't do this anymore. Um, that's a scary place to be. And I've been there before. I'm sure most mothers have been there at some point. Mm -hmm. And so having that in place, I also think just having regular breaks scheduled so that if it, something does start feeling overwhelming, you can think, okay, I know tomorrow at this time I have help coming. You know, it's not just this is never going to end. This is going to be hard for a long time. I think knowing you have some scheduled breaks and I think giving yourself a lot of grace is important and a postpartum doula is not something that is financially accessible to everyone but if it's something that you can do even if it's a stretch I think it is an absolutely great resource because they can come in and help you with literally anything you need. They can help you with your baby, your house, your kids. It's it's just, I think, nice knowing you have help. That's not family because sometimes family can be a, a resource you tap out or feel like you're tapping out. So those are some great places to start. Um, and I think just finding people who you can have open dialogue with too about your postpartum experience, your birth your your birth story, how your birth plan went, processing that is all really important. Oh, that's awesome. Those are such great recommendations. I absolutely love it. Um, tell us, though, because I'm sure there's people listening who have never heard of a postpartum doula, and you mentioned, you know, kind of what they mm -hmm. do. Can you just tell us, like, what exactly is that and where could somebody even find one? Yeah, um... Finding them, it depends on where you live. Um, I'm in Cache Valley, and there is a very scarce, I, there's a scarce amount of options up here, but I know down in Utah County, Salt Lake County, there are more options. I would honestly turn to Google or Instagram and find one that just resonates with you. That is my best advice I can give anyone looking for a birth doula or a postpartum doula find one that resonates with you almost all doulas I mean everyone I know offers some sh some sort of short consultation to make sure you're a good fit yeah. um birth doulas really focus on pregnancy education being there to support you during the entirety of your birth and then usually have one or two postpartum appointments to help you process birth help you with that transition and then that's where a postpartum doula would take over. And their role can honestly be a little bit more flexible depending on what you need. Some are night postpartum doulas where they come help you in the night if that's where you're struggling. Some will help you with grocery shopping, meal planning, um, housework, sometimes help you with your other kids. I mean, the variety can be wide. That's why I would suggest women who feel called to that to look and find one that resonates with them. Some will have like different packages of different care options. And yeah, I think it's, I wish that it was something in our culture that was just a for sure thing, you know? Like you gave birth, here is a person to help you with this transition into motherhood or, you know, the motherhood of another child. Um, it's so, it's so important. I think moms are just not taking care of enough. Yeah. Oh, I so agree. I so agree. And there are countries where that's provided for everyone who has a baby, um, which is yeah thing. But um, yeah. Okay. I love all of that. And yeah, just check on your mom friends. <laughs> Check on your friends who not only have Absolutely. Just had a baby, 
But even if they're, you know, four months out, six months out, whatever, like, because I think too, and I'm so guilty of this, like, I need to do better about like checking in on all my friends who, you know, have a baby under really just any age, you know, but I think just in general, sometimes we we bring all the meals and stuff and we we're bringing all the gifts and checking in on the moms in those first few weeks and then we're like oh okay they're adjusted by now i'm sure their baby's two three four months old like i'm sure that they're out of the trenches and like some babies are that's when they get really challenging or whatever or maybe that's when the hormones Mm -hmm. are kicking in and that's really when the depression or anxiety is biking or you know what I mean so it's not just a matter and also too like for me I um my husband doesn't get a very long paternity leave but he is there for the first you know couple weeks and so you know I can make him run and get food or like make food or watch the you know other watch the older baby or whatever um but I think, like, once the husband goes back to work, too, that can be a a scary time for everyone as well. Yeah. And I think what you said, you know, they're probably still in the trenches. Absolutely. But I I honestly think the trenches never end. I've had some of my most, my most challenging times. I mean, my youngest is almost two and a half. And this last year, I would say, have been up there with the newborn you know six months and under phase I think the trenches are sometimes lifelong so yes check on your moms especially with young friends but the caveat is never stop checking on your mom friends because (laughs) we all need this village yes exactly we don't ever graduate from this village (laughs) we don't yeah seriously never-ending school Yes. Oh my goodness. I do think that, um, oh my goodness, I literally just completely lost my train of thought, but I do remember I was going to ask you and we don't have to open a whole new conversation, but (laughs) what do you you think have been the things in the last year that have been, you know, challenging right up there with newborn days? Yeah. Um, Well, I think it has been a lot of things. We have had some crazy health challenges in my family. I had cancer. My husband was hospitalized. And I've gone through a lot of mental health um, things that have been really hard for me. And I think trying to approach all of those while wanting to be a good mom has been really tricky. And... I think I have never been one to ask for help. And like I said, you know, my third postpartum experience felt so isolating and hard. I didn't ask for help then. I don't know if I would have gotten it if I had tried to reach out because it was a really, you know, COVID was a weird situation for everyone. And we were especially careful because of um, medical conditions in our family. But I have never really had to ask for help in a way that made me feel exorbitantly uncomfortable. And this last year, I have had to do that a lot, or I I have even just had a lot of help that I felt uncomfortable with because it's not my personality. I don't want to feel weak. I don't want to look like I'm incapable. And I think that is very common, just being a mom. You should be able to do it. You should be able to keep it all together, have this, ni- this nice little neat box of mom stuff, you know, open it up when you're with your mom friends, talk about the good things. And I've had to be very vulnerable with friends close to me and not go home and be like, man, maybe I shared too much. Maybe they felt weird about me opening up about these things. I just have to be comfortable with opening up that dialogue because if I'm not I know no one else is going to be so I guess the hardest parts have been just learning 
yeah, to be dependent on other moms and not feel like I'm just draining everyone's resources, that we're all in this together. We're all trying to do our best. And the rising tide raises all ships. The better off I am, the better off they are, the better off they are. You know, we're just all trying to help each other. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love what you said. I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but that if you're comfortable asking for help, then other people will be too. Is that what you were getting at? Essentially, yeah. I think just being open about how stuff is actually hitting the fan sometimes, you know? Totally. Totally. Well, I think it is so important and I think it's so true. Uh, it's so hard to ask for help. It's very vulnerable to ask for help. And, um, but I think we forget how much the people around us are eager and willing to help. Um, you know, like I, I think if there was, say there was like a young mom in my neighborhood who I didn't even hardly know very well, but she, just reached out to me and was like, hey, I know that you've had kids before and I'm drowning here and I need someone. Like, I would be there so fast and I would be honored that she reached out to me. This was truly a hypothetical situation I just threw out. My point was that, like, I think we forget how eager people are to help, um, but they can't help if they don't know. Yeah. And so... Yeah, it's it's that really is like one of the hardest parts. Um, and we worry that we're asking too much or whatever. Yeah. Or maybe we fear that if we ask for help, no one will show up and then you feel really alone. Right. Mm. But uh. I think majority of the time people will show up and then it helps build this community around you of people, you know, you can count on. Yes. That's so beautiful. I love it. Well, if, if there was, um, we've kind of talked about a lot of different things in this conversation, but how I end every episode is asking if there was someone listening who was in your darkest spot right now. And I don't know if you want to think of that in terms of like going through traumatic birth or difficult postpartum or like the last year with all of the health challenges and mental health challenges and everything that happened um or maybe it can be like all of them together but if mm -hmm. just if there was someone listening who who they are going through the darkness that you've been through it you know at your your heaviest time and you had just one thing to leave them with what would that be hmm I think it would be that your, your experience is 1000% valid and you are never alone. There's always someone who has experienced something similar or something maybe even exactly the same as you. And even if there isn't, there's someone there to support you. And no matter what actually happened, your perception of it is allowed. Maybe you didn't technically have a quote unquote traumatic birth by someone else's standards. You are allowed to feel how you feel about your birth. Oh, I love that. That's so perfect. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story and your wisdom um, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and see if you might be a good fit um, as a birth doula, how could they find you? Yeah, I have an Instagram and also a website. Um, my Instagram is the birth doula, the birth girl doula, and that is also my website. It's www. Do we even have to say www anymore? I don't, don't think we do. <laughs> but it's probably not. It's the the birthgirldoula.com. <laughs> so it's the birthgirldoula is your Instagram as well. 
because I thought it was just the birth girl. Your Instagram. Yeah. Mm, you're right. I think my Instagram is just the birth girl. And then my website is the birth girl doula. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to be. Uh, I love that you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm your biggest fan. I'm going to be linking um, your stuff <laughs> in the show notes and on Instagram and all of that. But thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on. This really was perfect. Thank you for having me.